If you want to rank some Beatles, you ought to listen to our show. If you want to rank some Beatles, you ought to listen to our show. That's right. If you listen to our show, you'll probably tell me that I'm wrong. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Ranking the Beatles, episode 39. As we tape today, it is Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. Um, it is also 25 degrees here in New Orleans. Oh, we're up to 30. The sun just came out. Ah. So we're slowly warming a bit. Oh, okay, okay. I hadn't really noticed yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, the difference between 25 and We haven't left the house. <laughs> not a lot. Yeah, it's a very strange Mardi Gras this year. Um, if you didn't know, Mardi Gras was canceled. Well, no. Parades well, parades were canceled. Were canceled. Gatherings Gras. are canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're missing all of our friends on St. Charles Avenue, parading, hanging out, having a drink. For the last two weeks. Yeah. This should be like the tail end of like a two-week-long Eh, bender, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, mean, I feel like we drank less than we used to. Well, but it's yeah. like a lot of just like being out. As you get older, you realize people. It's a marathon. You're an extrovert, not a so a sprint, you're not a marathon. Fine, but I'm more of an introvert, so it's really exhausting for me. Sure. Sure. So I actually really look forward to like Mardi Gras Day afternoon. Yeah, um, we usually really, keep Mardi Gras Day pretty chill. Yeah, because yeah. we have to go back to work on Wednesday. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like a good nap day, like relax before back to work. But it's bizarro. This is bizarro land. Like everything that uh, we've known this day to be our entire lives. Right. It is not. Yeah. Um, And even had parades not been canceled because of a pandemic, it would have been canceled last night because of cold. Right. (laughs) Uh, We're not made for this. We're not built for this here. In New Orleans. So it's strange. Nor are our houses. (laughs) That's true. That's true. The heat is cranked. Um, We hope in real time all of our friends uh, throughout the country that are uh, without power. Yeah, experiencing. Dealing with this cold. Is it a polar vortex, I think? Uh, It's a polar something. Yeah, I forget. It's a polar vortex. But we hope everybody is safe. And by the time we hear this, by the time you all hear this episode, this should all be passed. Fingers well, crossed. Some people in Texas will have been yeah. arrested. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a mess. So, yeah. So, happy Mardi Gras, everybody. Uh, several weeks down the line. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I hope everybody has had a great week. Uh, how are you doing today, my dear? I'm good. Like you said, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a weird day. But I'm glad we have something fun to do. We do. And this has actually been a pretty fun day. Like, we woke up. Had a little breakfast, had a slice of king cake. Um, I had two. <laughs> had a girl. Well, we have to eat it. We do have to eat it or we it will go eat bad. It tomorrow. Yeah. It's out of season tomorrow. Right. And that's, <laughs> when you eat king cake out of season, that's when pandemics happen. <laughs> Valid. Um, and then uh, broke my my no my no meat rule, and we had some cold Popeyes chicken. Yes, we did. Delightful. Um, have a little uh, a little beverage here on the side. So, like, we're celebrating a little bit, so it's yes. not a bad day. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. We generally don't tape uh, during weekend days or weekdays, days, daytime in the week is what I mean. <laughs> um, 
but we're off today. Uh, and what's interesting is that our guests today are actually in the future. In the year 2000. <laughs> um, <laughs> nicely, nice Conan throwback. Oh, gee. Um, our guests today hail from the vibrant and deeply collaborative music community of Auckland, New Zealand. Their blend of propulsive sing-along choruses, four-part vocal arrangements, and wry introspective lyrics have earned them fans around the world, as well as opening slots for indie rock titans like The Breeders, Pixies, Weezer, Death Cab for Cutie. It sounds like you've just gone through my record collection, so pretty good. Um, last year, they won Album of the Year, Best Alternative Artist, and Best Group Award at the Aotearoa Music Awards, and they've been nominated several times for the Silver Scroll Award, uh, New Zealand's most prestigious songwriting award. Uh, their most recent album is 2020's Jump Rope Gazers. It's out now on Car Park Records. It is one of my favorite albums of 2020. Uh, it got some serious rotation on our turntable here at home. Uh, it still does. I think we actually might have been the first vinyl purchase in New Orleans of that record, according to the salesman at Euclid Records when we bought that. Or maybe just at Euclid. Or maybe just at Euclid. <laughs> there are other <laughs> record stores, but whatever. Um, regardless, it is a fine, fine album. Please, please check it out. So, without further ado... Please welcome to the show, Liz and John from The Beths. Liz and John from the Beths, welcome to Ranking the Beatles. How are you today? Very well. Hello, how are you? How are you? We're good. good. We're so excited to uh, to speak to y'all. Um, happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> we just had Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, the strangeness that is Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I actually haven't, like, I've heard it referenced on TV and stuff, but I don't know very much. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it what? takes place in March. Uh, well, it, it takes place. How does it work? I can never remember the actual <laughs> well, the actual math of how it works. It depends on like when um, when like Easter falls because it has to do with like Lent and like yeah, it's all there's a whole calculation to it. It's you. It's always in either like February or March, so yeah. that the date changes every year. It's very strange, um, but it's a lot of fun. So you guys should like replan your u.s tour and come back and like make yourselves in new orleans when mardi gras is happening because it's very fun and you would enjoy it yeah and this oh, year i heard there were i i heard there were efforts to kind of make mardi gras fun uh even though maybe the the crowds that would normally be part of it aren't really a thing yeah, this year, because obviously, like, there's no parades, there's no, like, group kind of communal street parties, things like that. So uh, people have decorated their houses to look like Mardi Gras floats. Um, so it's been, you know, it's it's been fun. It gives you something to kind of walk around your neighborhood and and enjoy and and see. It's it's different. It's a new. Yeah, it's a new thing for sure. I think it'll be a continuing tradition, but it's certainly different than. Every other Mardi Gras has been, but, Absolutely. but 
yeah, that's life, you know. Um, 20... That sounds like a fun and frivolous context for a discussion of <laughs> this particular Beatles song. For sure, for sure. Um, it's definitely, you know, part of just the strangeness of 2020 and, and 2021. And I, I wanted to ask you, you all at the start, you know, how, you know, how was your 2020? You put out this amazing album um, and then had all these plans that were subsequently postponed so how has it been for you working around that over the last year um it's been an odd odd time like 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 for everybody we, we've been luckier than most we're um in case it's not clear we're from um we're from new zealand so we live in auckland and so um yeah we kind of handed in our album in march to as done as like cool we'll put the album out in july and then obviously around that time shortly after that um, we, as as a country, went into lockdown anyway at the end of March. Mm-hmm. We had like a six or eight weeks of, of hard lockdown and then um, managed to eliminate it from the country. So, um, well done. We have, <laughs> we have not. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty lucky. And, and, you know, it's so because of that, even though we've, we had like an entire two years maybe worth of, of, of touring that was planned, just kind of canceled a lot, like, like every band you know mm-hmm. that's, that's 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 been pretty rough but at least we got to tony zealand and then we did that quite extensively which was really nice because um you know it's it's the population of new zealand's i think five million so yeah. normally we, we tour like the three or four biggest cities um but we did a, a deep deep dive to some to some small towns and and drove a van all around the country and yeah um it's, it's actually been okay and we've we've had um it's summer here at the moment. So there've been like all the kind of festivals that happen, which normally have bands coming in from overseas, big international acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've all been local acts, which is like great for us and great for local music, which we're, we're really passionate about New Zealand music. So yeah. it's been a, it's like, it's like a mixed bag. Cause obviously there's this hypothetical year that didn't happen um, internationally, but um, it, the fact that we got to play shows makes us feel very, grateful about that anyway yeah that that's so lucky because there's absolutely in new orleans we've got we've started this kind of really interesting uh i don't know that we've started it but live music here has turned into uh porch concerts um which are just kind of like you know you set up on your friend's porch and your neighbors come and listen and they tip and that's like the extent of live music and everyone's doing it in every neighborhood um, and it's just kind of this strange new world of like, that's just what we do. Like the idea of like a venue and production is just not happening right now. So it's, it's definitely strange. And I know you, you all were booked to do the, um, the hella mega tour with uh green day and Weezer and Fall Out Boy. Is that, yeah. is that true? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that going <laughs> to get cool. rescheduled? I know they're still talking about doing it. I don't know to what extent. Yeah, I don't know. It does that. That tour does really feel like the stars must have aligned for for, for it to be possible yeah. for those so artists to all be together. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so maybe they they choose to make it a priority, or maybe they don't. We'll just see what what the story is. But yeah, um, yeah. certainly um, something that was going to be a bit special. I mean, if it was up to us, you know. Right. <laughs> you know it, like the four bands on the lineup we're the fourth band i feel like we've got a bit of sway right. <laughs> and you're like the hometown band so like gonna... yeah you gotta be like come on y'all. we'll uh we'll put the, no, the no, ask no, out no. We'll, we'll put the ask out we'll, we'll, we'll apply the pressure to uh to rivers cuomo and billy joe armstrong and, and company 
and tell them to make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, uh, <laughs> if we twist their arms, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll make it happen. <laughs> and, and even if it doesn't, if you guys, hopefully you make it back to the States. And if you guys come anywhere near here, like a reasonable distance, probably even an unreasonable distance, yeah. <laughs> we're there. Like, don't worry about it. People sure. will come. For we sure. have not played in New Orleans. <gasps> We have not played in New Orleans. So were we going to in this upcoming tour? Uh, it was it was on the it was on agenda, there. but it's yeah. it certainly is an oversight which needs to be corrected at our soonest uh, ability. So yes, apologies and uh, future promises all round. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I um yeah it, it was it was really I, I I was turned on to you guys uh, through Dave Depper of Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, who posted oh, about your record guy. on Instagram. And I had, I've never met Dave, but he posted about your record and I forget what the exact post was, but it was something about, you know, three songs in and this record's making me cry. And I was like, that's a really strong endorsement. <laughs> and, uh, and holy smokes, when I first listened, I was just like, this is everything I want in a pop rock album. Like, holy crap it's great uh and then the record before that uh future me hates me also fantastic so like keep doing what you're doing huge fans i think uh you know i'm hoping for nothing but but the best for for y'all going forward um i i do want to ask you know for our listeners who who haven't heard of you um how did the band first to first get together you know what's like the the abridged backstory of the beths the abridged backstory is probably uh Maybe 2015 or so. I think I sent Liz an email. Um, 14, maybe 14, 2014. I sent Liz an email um, suggesting um, that it had been a while since the world had heard any original songs from Liz, uh, and it had been. Liz had been uh, hunkering down, learning trumpet at university, and um, you know the the songwriting days were sort of left. At, uh, left at high school maybe and um you know so i sent her this little email just saying oh it, it, and it would be quite nice if you did want to that maybe i could record the band mm. um which is what i really wanted to happen uh and then so, yeah that sort of just got sat on for a little while and i thought nothing was happening but actually liz was working away i was i was thinking okay finally excuse to to a start a rock band, which I never got to do because in high school I played in a rock band. And uh, B, I was like, this is finally, I'm going to finally start that wizard rock band, um, which is... <laughs> the wizard rock. Uh, where you, yeah, it's like a genre with like Harry... It's like the, the Harry Potter, like, yeah. I've seen like a documentary Yeah, it's on a that. genre of rock that exists within the it's Harry like Potter universe. Yes. Um, and I tried that and it didn't work, so I just ended up writing um, regular songs. And I wrote songs for about a year and then sent... sent Jono, some demos of the best ones and got some friends together and you know, started the band. We were all kind of like ex music school and like gigging and various bands. Um, and so this was just like another project. Everybody had their passion project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was kind of our side project for a little while. And then um, we finished the album around 2000, let's 2017 or so. And um, the first record, Pitch Me Hates Me. And then, um, just had this idea that it was that it was what we wanted to do and what we wanted to keep doing and that maybe we could tour it around the place we had dreams of kind of playing the like uh 120 person dive bar venue in um sort of 40 or 50 cities around the world that was our our humble ambition 
um, to get to that point. And uh, we, we said about it in 2018 and we played a lot of dive bars and <laughs> slowly graduated to, you know, less dive bars. Of, <laughs> Venues of repute. <laughs> With lovely clean toilets. Oh. It's the dream. What more could you want? <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And so I take it you two knew each other prior to starting the band then? Yeah, we played a lot of music together over the years and we studied together. We were actually at high school together as well. We also knew Ben, the bass player, um, for several years, way back since, yeah, just about high school days playing in same kind of uh, young bands and underage scene and things like yeah. that. We all grew up in Auckland and then, you know, we're part of the Auckland music scenes in our own capacity and then all went to university in Auckland and all live in Auckland. So it's mm-hmm. just, we've all been kind of steeped in all the different kinds of music that is made in a city of like, what, one and a half million yeah. people where it's kind of big, but it's small at the same time. And it's kind of isolated from the rest of the world. Um, but obviously the internet exists. So yes. it's it's a really interesting place for music. I really think it's a, a really strong city for music. I've, I've seen you all post that on your Facebook about how, how strong you think that the Auckland music scene is. I guess what's kind of the bread and butter there? What's what's like the core of that scene like? Is that even possible to, to answer though? Yeah, I think there is a core to it. Um, I would say the core to it is this, uh, is that, I mean, it's it's a big enough city to have multiple genres that probably have their own touchstones. But for our genre and for for any music that's tangentially, kind of live instruments and uh, vaguely might be songs or jazz actually is is a big part of the scene. There's a few venues that you can kind of throw a sheet over in the centre of the CBD of Auckland that are, that are the wine cellar, the whammy bar. And I would include the Audio Foundation in that as well. And that, that there's like a very uh, a, a very community-minded, very um, supportive scene of musicians and uh, support people of all kinds mm-hmm. that um, play at these venues and um, go to these venues to watch the music that they love. And this is where everyone gets their start and where everyone meets um, everyone else. And uh, yeah, that's totally the, I think that's the nexus of it.
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that was it, Auckland. It's cool. Lots of people. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I mean, not just Auckland. We're, we're, we're such Auckland, Auckland-centric because we're from Auckland, but, like, um, the, the other cities in New Zealand, mm-hmm. there's, it's, like, it's, New Zealand's small enough that, like, they're, everybody, even in the different cities, you know, is in touch and playing together and, um, I should have really said New Zealand and not just Auckland. <laughs> As <a> typical Auckland <laughs> centric big city Ugh. oh big city swingers <laughs> what uh you yeah. know what are the I guess the kind of touchstones musically for the band then not and not just you know New Zealand or Auckland specific but I guess just in in the big scheme of things lots of stuff like um like uh, when we first started the <laughs> The like rules of the band were kind of like um uh we're a rock band and we should all sing and everything should be quite up tempo so like we, it was those rules but then we were listening to lots like between the four of us a lot of different stuff like jono likes a bit like um i don't know what you've listened to more like 70s like modern lovers kind of stuff and i was a big emo head so i really liked fault boy and like also like things like rilo kiley and kind of jeff cutie Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ben Scott of just like his, the whole sort of stuff. He's into like prog stuff and also um, like alt country. Like, and it's it's all overlapping, and we all share music all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, and I do feel a bit like sometimes like when I'm writing that like whatever I'm listening to, I feel like a bit like a magpie. Just like you kind of like pick different things from. And so I'll write a song and then look at a week later and be like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to this well like two years later I went, oh yeah i was definitely listening to that at the time right just because of how you'll pick like pick little um elements from from what whatever you're listening to mm-hmm. I, I i one of the questions that i usually ask um in this situation uh especially as a songwriter is i would ask uh you know how have the beatles influenced your work and i'm curious about that because like you said before we started um you've only ever listened to like Abbey road. The Beatles haven't played that big a role in, in, in your writing and in your work. Um, that said though, would you be able to point to anything that you find as an influence Beatles wise in any, you know, in any part of what you do? Um, for me, uh, well, like when I say if that's the only record I've listened to, that's the only record I've listened to like properly, like, mm-hmm. um, like i know it pretty well like i, I know the the singles sure mm-hmm. i know the hits you know well enough like in the way that like they're just a part of pop culture that you just kind of absorb now yeah um it I, is and- one of liz's favorite jokes though for any song that was written or recorded pre about 1975 to come on the radio and for liz to ask is this the beatles <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's just a gag. it's a good it's a good way to start it's just a it's just a bit throw up Jono, who does have who does have a much more uh, that more traditional like uh, schooling of going through um, all the different records. I don't know. I think it's just like there's there's like undoubtedly undoubtedly sorry just some some great songwriting <laughs> and and um, you know growing up hearing that and then kind of digging into like even just that one album like there's there's a lot of beautiful songs on there. Like, mm-hmm. like, Here comes the sun and um, uh, something. Like, like that, just... two Harrison songs, interesting. Are they both Harrison songs? Yeah. 
I guess it. Maybe I like George Harrison. We fi- we found your favorite <laughs> but, Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> that well, was easy. I think I think I think we decided that or um, previously as well. There we go. <laughs> and also for like the early stuff, there were so many bands that came out around that time that were just emulating the Beatles they were just like oh that's working for them I'm gonna do that too so it's super easy to hear their influence like heavy influence mm-hmm. in so much stuff like the early days um, the the later I guess not so much but like in the, the super early pop stuff it's just like is this the Beatles or is this kind of just one of the 50 bands like what is the uh... <laughs> yeah although there was even like the one from the Mercy Beats is that oh yeah the, didn't yeah. they Try, like, didn't they sound just like the Beatles a lot? They have some that, I mean, a lot of those bands, especially coming out of England at the time, yeah. Um, there were just tons of bands that just did exactly, yeah, Beatles sound alike thing. things, you know, everything was hand claps and 12 strings and, <laughs> um, you know, harmonies that just sounded just like it, yeah. And then John, well, is- everyone had to have their Beatles album as well, like, there's the Rolling Stones that have even the Rolling Stones who had their own sound had their like a rainbow record that was like a Beatles record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, the, everyone- uh, her Satanic Majesty's request is like their yeah. Sergeant Pepper, and they That's and it. then yeah. of course like they got their start with a Lennon McCartney song, you know, like yes, indeed. And they they those guys were just giving songs away to people. Just oh, you want to you want a career? Have a song. Have a, you know, like- <laughs> What great friends. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the handed down influence is a massive factor for that. And, and I wanted to ask you, John, because I know you you produced you produced both records, both both Beth Beth's albums. That's is right. that correct? And and you, you do you work with other artists as well? I do, yeah. Uh, I've done an EP with an artist called Phaser Days, who might be known to uh, people around the world, and then also more lately an album with Wax Chattels, who are quite uh, kind of um, noisy post, uh, quite arty post-punk band um, that uh, they're that been touring. They're on Captured Tracks, a very good band. Mm-hmm. Great band. Yeah. And so, so, so from, yeah. a, from a production standpoint, um, I'll put the same question to you. Uh, how would you see the Beatles or George Martin uh, as having influenced ha- how you work? Yeah, I mean, hugely influenced. Like I'm the other end of the spectrum. I'm at the end of the spectrum where I've kind of read that um, recording the Beatles book uh, cover to cover where you, you, you can see what track of the tape machine all, all the, the instruments were put on. I have it over there. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to own that book, but it's out of print, and to buy a copy now costs you sort of five hundred dollars yeah. or so. <laughs> uh, one day I'll try to buy it, but it's a real treat. Um, but yeah, the anthology—you know—went through that, read the read the anthology, watched the movies, um, and completely like at, at, at a formative time as a teenager, just wanted to completely be the Beatles and live that whole life, and it was completely formatively inspiring and and literally like made my best friends around the band we were best friends because we discovered the beatles at conveniently similar time in our lives mm-hmm. so we just nerded out about the beatles for probably that was life for like two years of my teenage <laughs> years was just being a beatles nerd and i feel like i went through the exact same thing and it was funny because like i'd have my friends who were into it and outside of that little small group, nobody else knew or cared what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, I found like that. I found the kind of the opposite that we were able to be such Beatles nerds, and and we, that we became influential 
and that our our group of Beatles nerd friends actually grew as the years went on to the point where we would be at a party and you know Beatles songs would be played at completely incongruous times. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I feel like maybe I grew up in the wrong place because mm, <laughs> for me, like I can vividly remember like walking into a class one day and telling a group of kids at a table that I had everything I just learned about the whole Paul is dead story. And they all looked at me with the most blank stares and could not have cared any less. <laughs> I just, I felt so bad about myself. after. That. <laughs> so I just kept uh, it to like my little circle at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we were persistent. We I, wonder were persistent. If I wonder if that's any different now growing up because now every niche thing that people like has a, has a huge subculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They might be more reinforcing kind of influences on that. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, and yeah, cause now you've got, you know, podcasts about subjects and Reddit threads and, you know, this was, you know, probably pre-anthology when I had that, like, very vivid, like, Paul is dead conversation that no one cared about. Um, <laughs> and I feel like even through high school, because, like, for me, you know, I graduated high school in 2000. So, like, it's very early, early Internet where, like, people weren't engrossed in their favorite topics in, you know, subreddits and threads and message boards and, you know, Facebook groups like that just wasn't a thing yet. Um, so maybe it is better now. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to ask. Some I think that fandom has been so reinforced over the years. Like I think, I think Definitely. Uh, maybe, maybe like from the anthology onwards, but it, it probably goes back deeper that I, that I don't know about, but I think, you know, the constant stream of outtakes and unreleased material. And um, I guess, yeah, we, we had actually some, some quite, quote unquote, new Beatles songs at some point in the 1990s, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh I think one of which is even lower on your list than this song, but um, um, well, we, I don't think we've gotten to an anthology song yet. We've gotten to some of like the unreleased ones, but like the "Free as a Bird" and "Real Love" we haven't gotten to yet, because I do genuinely uh, like those songs. And and to be fair, I like all the songs on in the catalog. There's not anything that I really truly dislike. There might be subject matter I don't like, but. <laughs> Um, as far as like a song that I think is just bad, I don't think it necessarily exists within the, the confines of the catalog, but I'm also really biased. So, <laughs> well, with, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, with that in mind, why don't we, uh, jump into discussing this week's song, shall we? Great. Wonderful. All right. Coming in at number 178 is Octopus's Garden. <laughs> to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade he'd let us in knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade I'd ask my friends to come and see All right, so on August 22nd, 1968, in the midst of recording back in the USSR for the White Album, Ringo Starr quit the Beatles. 
It's well documented that tensions were high during these sessions, and on this particular day, with Paul instructing him continually on what to play, Ringo got frustrated, and at some point, sticks down, he walked out. Uh, now, not one to stew at home, he took his family on holiday to the Italian island of Sardinia, where they stayed on a yacht belonging to actor Peter Sellers for some much-needed rest and relaxation. So one day on Can we just say how weird it is to go to an island and then stay on a yacht? Like, I, don't, I find it just very strange. Like, I'm sure it's like the land is beautiful also. Like, sure. But I guess if you're a beetle, like, you can, you can escape from everyone on the yacht. So, okay, I get it. Point, Moving, yeah. Sorry. That was just like a, I just thought of it. I'm like, why did you go somewhere just to stay on a boat? Like, you can stay on a boat anywhere. It's probably much nicer there than, like, in the Thames. So so one day on the yacht, uh, after ordering fish and chips and being served squid instead for the first time, uh, Ringo began chatting with the captain about squid and octopuses. The captain told him how octopuses hang out in caves and they go around the seabed finding shiny stones and tin cans and bottles to put in front of their cave like a garden. Ringo says he found this fabulous because, quote, at the time, I just wanted to be under the sea too. Also, quote, a couple of tokes later with the guitar, and we had Octopus's Garden. Uh, so Ringo was eventually coaxed back to the band. Uh, they finished the White Album, and in January of 69, uh, uh, at the beginning of sessions for what would become Let It Be, Ringo showed up and debuted three songs he'd written on piano uh, to John and George. The songs were Taking a Trip to Carolina, Picasso, and Octopus's Garden. Uh, George took Octopus's Garden to heart, and spent some time working with Ringo on the track, adding chord changes, fleshing out lyrics, and their work together on this is actually all captured on film and video, readily available on YouTube. Um, and the song really starts to come alive and come together when you listen to them work on it on, on these uh, videos. So on April 26th, in one of the sessions that took place between the end of Let It Be and the start of the Abbey Road sessions, all four Beatles worked together, uh, giving 32 takes to, t- to get to the master take, uh, additional overdubs record, uh, occurred three days later, then again in June when they began work in earnest on Abbey Road, adding additional backing vocals, Moog synthesizer, percussion, and blowing bubbles in milk. The song was released on mm. Abbey Road in September of 1969. The Beatles obviously never performed it live, although Ringo has played it millions of times in his own live solo shows over the years. So... Why do I have Octopus's Garden at number 178? Um, You know, I think it's hard to place a song like this in the context of the rankings. It's probably one of the best-known children's songs by a non-children's song band. Um, And when you hear what Ringo brought in on the song, it's basically three chords and a verse. Uh, When you listen to the video of him and George working, you really see how much George helped shape this song. And it's an incredibly generous move that George never actually took a co-write credit on it. Uh, the guitar work on the song is absolutely fantastic. I think it really propels the entire song. His leads are tasty, kind of country-influenced and melodic. Uh, they give the song a real feature. John's guitar work is is beautiful as well. It's a finger-picked part that I think is beautiful and adds a lot of space within the track. Um, sonically, I think it's actually a standout on the album, which I think is one of the best-sounding Beatles albums. It's very crisp and clear. Uh, the only one that really sounds like this, but it also feels really live and exciting. Ringo turns in a fine vocal. The harmonies are great throughout. It's nice to hear the whole band turning in vocals on this track. I think the only drawback to the song may be that the band is overly reliant on the production and and trickery uh, to prop up what's inherently a very silly, fun song at a time when the three of them maybe view themselves as really high-order artists. 
uh, playing a song written by a subpar songwriter. Uh, but also the trickery is kind of what makes the song stand out and work, so I can't really fault it. That said, it's definitely a step up from his previous composition, Don't Pass Me By, and it's miles better than Taking a Trip to Carolina was probably ever going to be. Um, which you can also find that on YouTube, and it's it's horribly bad. So <laughs> that said, with that in mind, that's my two cents. I open the floor. Liz, John, what do you think about Octopus's Garden? It's cute. <laughs> it is. It really it's is. So like, cute. That's the best definition. Yes. It's cute. It is very cute. It's just yeah. It's, it's just cute. Like everything's cute about it. The like vocal delivery is quite cute. It's like just very, very rustic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah i don't know i this if i wasn't in the right mood i would sometimes skip it in the car sure um sometimes i'm like i don't need to hear about this octopus <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm here to, oh, give us a human emotion <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well who among um, us doesn't want to swim to the bottom of the seabed <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you have to be baseline, yeah. like a bit of a cheery mood to like even approach this song. If you just want some like salty, raw emotion, this is not what you're going for. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's just like, it's very, since, I guess it's, it's, it's just quite sincere and, and cheerful. You have to, you have to be in the right mindset for it. For sure. Um, yeah. Like I've, I, I've got a dissenting take. You got a dissenting Ooh. take? Yeah. I think it's an absolute travesty that this song is so so low on the list. <laughs> yes. Do tell why, please. Well, I just think there's like there's a, a central tenet of the Beatles music that needs to be acknowledged, which is music for music's sake. Mm-hmm. That that and it's it's very palpable in Paul's writing, and I think it's it's absolutely what needs to be praised with this with this song as well you know this is like this is a silly song yes it's arguably a children's song yes but it you know this is music to put a smile on your face because music puts a smile on your face mm. this is music that that will sort of entertain you and transport you because done to a high standard as this song is that's what music does and that's the fun of it that's the joy of it and i think that's a through line that runs through so much beatles work you just look at song after song after song and generally if it's anyone but john writing you could be forgiven for asking yourself what's the point of this song why does this song need to exist mm-hmm. uh but i just think you know that i think this song is a great example of that thing that is a Beatles ism, which is just let's celebrate music, let's have fun with music, mm-hmm. let's use it as a an avenue to just have fun and bring people joy. And I think the song does that and I think it does it extremely well, maybe better than most others. And I think you you know, you you uh you even kind of talked about a lot of the reasons why it's so successful in your in your preamble, you know. Mm-hmm. It's great band playing. There's genuine collaboration between the Beatles, which there wasn't always at this period. Um, it's it's a beautiful recording. Uh, it really feels like everyone was having a good time on this track in the in the way that like maybe um, uh, you know get back <clears throat> kind of feels like everyone was having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so 
you know, this is definitely in my top 100 Beatles songs. It's probably even my top 50 Beatles songs. I haven't wow. actually done this list myself, or maybe I have, but I was sort of 15 years old when I did it. <laughs> I, would, I would not be surprised to find this song in maybe my top 30 Beatles songs. Wow. Wow. I also learned the guitar solo when I was, uh, you know, learning to play guitar um, in my late teens. Uh, and I thought it was a great guitar solo, which you commented on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's killer guitar playing, lead guitar playing. Um, yeah. Great song, great recording. That's my that's my hot take. It's, I... it's quite crack up how, um, as a song, there's, there's like a bit of inserted drama because the drama is not there in the lyrics, you know, mm-hmm. or um, or in the melody. Maybe it's not there in the melody, but there's that in that bridge section. The um, I'll ask my friends to come and see. Like it's so dramatic, and it feels right. like it's like it's like the polar opposite of something that lots of bands do. Something that we do quite a lot, which is where you have like kind of depressing subject matter in the lyrics, but like a cheery feel and a cheery melody. And it's like the opposite of that. It's just like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this of drama over this, this angst and drama over the lyrics. I'd ask my friends to come and see an octopus's garden. But that's one of the great things that the Beatles did. They were unselfconscious about doing quite out there musical things in the middle of pop songs. Well, yeah. maybe maybe there is drama in that sen- in that sentence, you know? Because like if you ask your friends well, to see the an octopus's garden, well, the friends are the other Beatles. Yeah. Oh my God. And he's asking them to come with him. And he's he's trying to bring them won't. into this lovely environment. He's trying to bring them into this place where everyone is happy and safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they know it, you know. He yeah. even says that. So It's true. It's you true. Know, he's asking them to come with him. And they did. They did go with him. And it was awesome. L- lovely also that it's a like a, a Ringo Ringo George collab. And that's and that's the case. They're both just like, just come into the safe place. crediting front there like George is just following the quite cruel convention of Beatles songs which is you know the collaborations aren't really credited mm-hmm. um, yeah so well every song is is Lena McCartney I suppose so I guess that that collaboration is always implicitly credited yeah I feel like had John or Paul sat down to help with it they might have said well maybe this should be a lennon mccartney starkey composition i could see that happening more than george and i almost feel like george saw it because the counterfactual proves that the rule yeah yeah and i almost i almost feel like george saw it as like here's your chance to make like writing money like you can actually like make more on this like i'm not going to cut into your pie because you've only written one other song so you take it like it's almost like a favor because you know, they often talk about how they felt like they were like second tier Beatles in the way that they were treated um, 
sometimes personally, financially. So it almost seems like it's like a defensive move for him to specifically not take a credit on that. Maybe. And that's there just a point being yeah. made there. Yeah. It, I, I can, I can see that. So yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. Well made. What do you think, Julia? Um, I actually like what you were talking about, Liz, like that's really what I have in my notes. Like, I kind of feel like this is Ringo's help. Like, you know, you take that deep pain of like what they're feeling of, you know, and it's easy to like sit here and be like, oh, my gosh, you're like the most famous band ever of all time. Like your lives are amazing. What do you have to be sad about? But like also living on that level comes with its own challenges. Right. Especially in 68, 69, when things are just crumbling. Right. Yeah. So I feel like they're and we've touched on this so many times of like them taking these like really sad, intense emotions and like wrapping them in this shiny little happy pop song that makes you feel good until you like sit down and actively listen to it and read the lyrics and you're like oh shit that's dark y'all like that's kind of dark <laughs> julia i think that's such a great point I, and i feel like that's an, that's one of the that's another reason why the song really holds up mm-hmm. in 2021 when like a lot of beatles songs just are melodramatic in their in their subject material mm-hmm. or the you know the the drug references have kind of completely lost their novelty mm-hmm. um or or what it might be you know it was alluded to earlier in the in the discussion the subject material of Beatles songs is often questionable but i don't think there's much to question here right? no not at all i think he's putting it out there he's like i really wish i had just like this one little beautiful sparkly place under the sea where i could just go and not be a beetle and i can bring in you know my favorite people who love me whether i'm a beetle or not and share that with them and i think that's really beautiful like don't we all want like a happy little space where we can just be our complete true selves and not have to be what the world expects us to be yeah you know like, yeah, it's like not that the world gives a shit really what i am but you know <laughs> uh. This, at this point in the conversation, I am just desperate to listen to this charming song. <laughs> I've got to be honest, and this is maybe the first time this has happened on this show. I feel like I've got it wrong. I think you do. I think the three of you have all kind of convinced me <laughs> rather solidly that I may have not given this the credit it deserves. For real, just those like dreamy background vocals. Like, like there's so much on. about it that I truly enjoy and that I think are really so that, that are ideas and parts that are so well done and i feel like i did the math wrong like (laughs) i just didn't add it up correctly like i kind of feel like i goofed it on this one but it's like they hide it in such a shiny little package and then they do some things that are so on the nose like blowing the bubbles you know kind of like the anvil and maxwell silver hammer like it's it's so on the nose and you're like come on guys that was really easy like (laughs) and it it almost like it kind of clouds your vision to the the depth of the song i think maybe yeah. i don't know i think uh, i i think there's another thing like i, I took a little list look, look at your list rankings and um i think you might you might have kind of revealed a bit of your softy side in this uh in, in that you you have ranked some of the most acrimonious songs for the fab four you've ranked them quite low you know yeah uh, maxwell silver hammer being one and um back in the ussr as you Use, as you mentioned, being another. These are songs that took hundreds of takes. This song took a lot of takes. Thirty-two is a lot, but you know what is it? I can't remember what the stat is on Maxwell's Silver Hammer, but it's Maxwell's a is furious a lot. <laughs> 
it's um, so many takes and and i think yeah you, you it, is it just that you don't like the idea of these these four boys fighting with each other i, I you know I, it's funny because i i think we brought the same thing up um it may have i forget what number it is it's maybe the third or fourth episode uh for the long and winding road um which i have ranked like really really low now also oh, like huge statement like and and granted like a lot of it is like i don't really love the final version of that like the phil specter produced version i just it's not my cup of tea um but i think a lot of it is that song is just it's very sad for me like it's the end of all of that um and when you watch the footage of it in let it be and whatever the new documentary will be get back um they just look so sad when they're performing it um and that drama is it's more it's not implied in, I mean, it's, it's in the song itself, but it's also in the performance. Like Paul's vocal feels so vulnerable and it almost feels like he's crying. And then when you watch them play it and he's looking up into the camera and it looks like he's going to cry, the whole thing is just like the most depressing song to me. Um, and while I do very much love and have time for depressing songs, they're not often like what I want to return to the most. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. And I think with the um, with the Beatles, there's there's something for every mood and every t- and every you know feeling. Um, but probably the, I guess the ones that I'm least drawn to, I guess, are the ones that make me um, visualize or feel that kind of sadness, whether it's you know my own or within their story, because I'm so attached and so connected to that story after so many years of listening to that music <laughs> i think uh, yeah this 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 makes a lot of sense to me i did a similar challenge to what you've done s- several years ago where i tried to rank the 69 love songs from the magnetic fields album 69 love songs mm-hmm. i didn't know you'd done so much ranking <laughs> <laughs> were you bored as well <laughs> Did you have nothing? Were you in oh, quarantine yeah. for some reason? <laughs> no, I was just sharing my love of the album with some friends, you know, and um, uh, and sharing it by ranking, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the song that came out on top was Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. um, which is a great song, but it's, it's quite a silly song. And, you know, it just sort of uh, analogizes the love that this guy has to the Grand Canyon or for somebody else to the Grand Canyon. And it's got some kind of silly lyrics about personifying the Grand Canyon that I find quite amusing. And, <laughs> um, and uh, I, it just turned out to be the song that I wanted to listen to the most from that album. Um, was it the best written song in the album? Probably not. Yeah. But it was the one that just grabbed you for the time. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it's the one that made me feel good, as opposed to what you're talking about with Long and Winding Road, that maybe there there's songs that are great songs that maybe just don't really make you feel good. Yeah. 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 It's it's a well written song. I mean, it's better than anything I've ever written, <laughs> certainly. Um it's the long and winding road. It's a classic. Um yeah, and for whatever reason, you know, it just it doesn't connect to me and it just it is makes what you it a little is. sad. I'm a sad boy. It's okay. I listen to it. It's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the beauty of personal rankings is it's your personal ranking. That's true. Like, 
everyone can do their own should they feel like it. I do not feel like and it. I, I, I don't say, think Liz feels like it either. I got to say, I, I think I blew it on this one. I think I got this wrong. Yeah. I might, I'm going to have to reapproach this. There's no, there's this no one. wrong. Well, there's no wrong, no wrong but I feel like I'm not giving it the credit it deserves. And I feel like it maybe should be at least higher than Honey Don't. <laughs> Which, uh-huh. yes. this, is a, this is a fascinating discussion. And I, I feel like I'm going to probably follow the, you know, follow the pod pretty closely on this because, uh, uh, yeah, I definitely would have put Long and Winding Road higher. But you have convinced me that it, it is doesn't doesn't perhaps deserve a top you know a top fifty spot or something like that. Um, uh, and, and yeah, there's there's songs that I would definitely put down the bottom of my list that I'll be very interested in hearing the defence of. You know, I, d- I don't really have much time for Tax Man, for instance, and you know Glass mm. Onion, never really a big song for me. Uh-huh. But you know these songs are these, yeah. These songs are yet to come, so I will be very interested in hearing the uh, the defense of it, of a song like Revolution, which to me now is just like um, kind of not, you know, it's a political statement that that feels like it doesn't really have any teeth. Yeah. Uh, in in twenty twenty one, but I can easily imagine, a, you know, for the joy of listening to it, that song could be ranked quite high. So mm-hmm. yeah. Be very curious to hear the defense of all of these songs. Well, th- I think uh, his better political song with some teeth would be, and I guess it's not a Beatles song; it's a solo song. But give me some truth, like yeah, that should yeah. be oh, he your grew teeth. Yeah, oh, he, <laughs> he grew, grew teeth. teeth. <laughs> he got them later on. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like I had never heard that, and we did. Um, we were guests on another podcast, um, El Vanillo. And we were talking about Imagine. And I was like, where has this song been? Like, everyone's like, this was sort of, I think, at the beginning of quarantine. And, like, all the celebrities had come out and sung, like, Imagine. And everyone was like, shut up. Just shut up. And I was like, where was this song? Like, give me some truth. That's what you need to be singing. Not like, Imagine, everyone, peace and love. Like, no, that's not what we need Uh, right now. We're angry. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. Well, the good thing is that there's um, literally 177 more songs to go. So we can talk later and figure out your favorites. And if you ever want to come back on and uh, and go toe to toe, I think we got room (laughs) to squeeze you in on on future episodes. Cool. Uh, Cool. That sounds great fun. Such a pity I can feel you building up to The hurt eruption I won't try to interrupt You are high and mighty and unlikely to learn lessons These days I'm struggling to stand my own affliction
fantastic. Well, I'd like to do um, some some rapid fire questions, if we may, to the both of you. Sure. All right. What is your favorite Beatles song? And it, it can be of all time or it can be at the moment. Because I know it changes for people. Uh, uh, at the moment, uh, something. I like something. It's such a good song. It's so good. It's classic. It's such a good song. Uh, in my life. Ooh. Mm. Good one. I don't think anyone said that one yet. That's such I a good song. I don't think so either. Sentimental choice. Least favorite <laughs> Beatles song. Oh. Um, uh, I, I, again, only having really listened to <laughs> I'm going to say, I intend to skip, because there's, there's two songs, right? There's Here Comes the Sun, and then there's Here Comes the Sun King. Yes. Which I think is a weird <laughs> choice to have both of those songs on there. And, and then, um, and then later, the George. Sun King sucks. <laughs> that's surprising, because it's the thing that I love that song, because the harmonies on it are just so well, well done. Um, I'd have thought because y'all lean on harmony pretty, you know, pretty well, you know, and I'd have thought that had been up your alley, even though the uh, lyrics are not, pure gibberish. But the the harmony's nice, but the melody's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. But this, it, maybe maybe it's a grower. Like there are songs that I enjoy that um, do a similar thing, like uh, <laughs> but um, I don't also know. Just I just like, just skip it. Also, just come up with like a more different name. Like be a little creative. You're a beetle. Get it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would it blow your mind if I told you that later in the 70s, George Harrison wrote a song called Here Comes the Moon? Oh, did he really? He did. Uh, oh, man. He did. Wait, did, did, wait did, George, did George write Here Comes the Sun and Here Comes the Sun King? No, just Here Comes the Sun. Something's okay. Paul, right? Well, I think, I think uh, it's John, okay I think. for George. I think oh, it's okay for George to write a sequel to his own song. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard Here Comes the Moon. Can't, don't know if it's good. But I think that okay. is allowed. <laughs> How about it's you, okay. John? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking pretty hard. Um, I'm not one to usually think of my least favorite of, of, a, of a thing. Right? Um, you just got, it's just like, you're like, no. And then you forget about it. And it moves out of your head. <laughs> Says me I, with all my grudges. Obladi, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, Obladi Oblada uh, is one that I um, find surprisingly little joy in. Um, yeah, for for what it is, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's trying to be joyful, but there's something about the way it just um, insists on your attention and just screams <laughs> at you mm-hmm. that uh, that I just find quite offensive. So, Look yeah, how I'm much go fun Obla we're Obla having. Like, it's very, like, yeah. look at this. Ignore <laughs> what's happening over here. Look at mm, this. Yeah. yeah. A little forced. Is, yeah. A little I also, I, I also really, yeah, I think I said it before, like, tax ban is pretty pretty low on my list. I, I Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, you know, like, I, I, uh, I actually think that the tax regime that the Beatles were under in the 1960s in the U.K., was a good idea and uh, I don't really like I don't really like the, rich. the exactly I do like the idea of taxing the rich and um I don't really like that uh yeah these um musicians that I uh that are icons to me would um put such a self-serving message 
in this song. <laughs> Imagine no possessions, but please don't tax the hell out of my possessions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not my possessions. <laughs> but I mean, he was what? He was like 20-something when he wrote it. He was pretty He's young. 24, 20, maybe? 23? 24 when he wrote it. And I didn't know what taxes were. Maybe he just didn't understand. Point. Yeah, no, you know, he, I, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I can understand, like, I, you know, they all came from, like, relatively um low income families you know like all their families you know in, were in various forms of you know struggling financial situations growing up so i can understand like wanting to keep what you make and maybe not being aware that like once you make that much they're going to take that much and i'm sure it probably blew his mind but does it deserve first track on revolver i don't know maybe not yeah yeah maybe not maybe, maybe not. not uh favorite beatles album well, <laughs> Liz, you're keeping us all in suspense. Uh, pass. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've flip flopped on this a lot. Every time they put out the new mixes, that's my favorite album. When mm. they did the 2000, whatever it was, 16 or something mix of Sgt. Pepper's, I was like, oh, this is the best album. I never really realized it. But now I think the White Album's the best album, but that's definitely not the best album. Um, it's ju just the, you know, it's just the new context that's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. um, I think it probably will always come back to Revolver for me, mm -hmm. uh, but um, it's a that is a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Liz, do you have a band that you are just like super into that you want to know everything about and maybe have a podcast about? Yes, tell us. <laughs> Ooh, uh, on the spot. Like, like not really. Like, yeah. this is this is the thing. Like, I, I feel you like have I get a healthy relationship. With your, with your <laughs> <music status. laughs> I get attached to al albums, like so, but mm. like not. There isn't really an artist where I've I've followed their entire career. Like maybe the closest is Rilo Kylie and Jenny Lewis, mm -hmm. um, where I've listened to. I guess I've listened to all those records and, and like have have relationships with with them and have kind of like aged. Um with them in different ways but like yeah there's 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 not there's very i don't know if there's any bands apart from that where i've listened to their entire discography if they have more than like a few albums and i don't know that uh, this isn't there has it been like chats about like a curatorial fandom and transformative fandom and yeah that's something you're really interested in if this hasn't come up um i'll just i don't know just yeah. where like i i can you can see it in jonathan and the way that he collects kind of knowledge and that's like the way that he expresses his, his fandom in it so I just don't like even when I loved those records it, it didn't really occur to me to like look up how they made them or like mm -hmm. no, I might listen but... to an interview with the songwriter or something like that but more I often I would just I would like learn songs and um learn all the words and kind of like listen to them over and over again yeah um but they, they were kind of connected to different parts of I don't know I kind of connect them to different parts of my life think yeah I like I feel like that's very similar to how I connect with music like it's and I'll I'll hear an album from someone and just absolutely love that album and then the next album will come out and I just don't connect with it at all and I'm like okay yeah. well maybe maybe next time pal yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe again um but yeah yeah I, I, there's nothing that I would I don't think there's anyone that I would buy a $500 book for <laughs> Valid. Yeah, totally. Do you do you have non Beatles related a favorite album? A, a favorite album. Mm -hmm. 
Um, like a desert island, have to take it with you. This is this is the thing. Like favorite, such a strange, yeah. strange thing, because it's it's not really it's not real, you know. Like, yeah. But um, yeah. like uh, my favorite album for a long time was probably the Postal Service Give Up. Sure. But like I feel like that's now just like my legacy favorite album because like having been asked, you're a human being, you get asked that question like you get asked that question sometimes and you, you just have to have an answer. And like, that's been my answer for long enough, but I'm like, I don't, I haven't listened to it this year. You know, like, I just, does it still, does it still hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it like, does. there have been albums this year, like my favorite album this year, the far has been, um, the first album that I've really gotten into has been, um, Cheetah by, um, Pompoko. Mm. I really like, like, it's just, and like, that's, I'll just I'll just sit on that one for ages. There we Yeah, <laughs> I'm like just, scribbling really notes good. over here. Right. Like, what is okay? I'm gonna look that up when we get off this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, last rapid fire question, um, and it's kind of a thoughty question. Uh, your favorite memory associated with the Beatles or a Beatles song? You got one. In I the have. Chamber? Yeah, I've got one of these in the chamber. It's quite a vague memory. Um, uh. It's it's like being in high school and there was this one friend, Mahmood, who I would hang out with and we would talk about the Beatles and he he's he was just always there to talk about the Beatles with. So mm. I think probably my warmest Beatles memory is just um like a I had a lot of I had a lot of Beatles nerd friends actually and and there 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 would be others that I should probably name check her so that they're not offended should they have listened <laughs> to this. But, um, just know know all of you out there that I love you. Uh, but you know there was just yeah the specific memory is just um kind of walking to school and getting to school and getting into the uh the the house where we you know the classroom and um just knowing that my friend Mahmood would be there and I would be able to talk to him about the Beatles yeah that's fantastic my first like real Beatles friend (laughs) this is so sad my first Beatles friend (laughs) was my was my fifth grade math teacher (laughs) (laughs) mrs hobbs oh yeah she uh was the only one that understood me for a little while there and she would she would bring me albums and let me like take them home like the ones my parents didn't have um but like if i wasn't doing well if i got like a bad grade she wouldn't bring me a record so like definitely give (gasps) me like the inspiration to get like a C Carrot and oh, stick. Yeah. oh very much so little, very much so. positive reinforcement for you <laughs> I love it very much so I had that teacher with uh I had that teacher with like um um dinosaur junior and and 90s kind of uh in in late 80s like guitar music mm-hmm. uh that was um uh the, the geography teacher um yeah, might have to cut that out because I blanked on his name. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want that to go in the pod. Right. Sorry. <laughs> we'll anyway, that. moving on. You know, speaking of teachers, I actually had like a – this is so random. And I, I don't know why I didn't talk about this on the Rocky Raccoon episode. But we had – there was a teacher in high school that would just like randomly say like Rocky Raccoon all the time. Like I don't know why. It was so weird. He was like just a super weird teacher to begin with. Is that just like his um, – uh... That's awesome type thing. I kind like, of, yeah. Rocky Raccoon, dude. Kind, like, not like, I don't think it had any specific That's a strange... meaning. Like, he would just kind of like, he was shout just it trying out, to like... make a catchphrase happen for himself. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, but yeah. it stuck with me. This was, I think I was a senior in high school. So this was years ago, quite a few. Um, and he, like, 
shared a room with this other teacher, but not a room. It was like they shared a square, but their two classrooms were cut into like triangles. So it was like, so it was like two rooms hmm. made out of like a big square, but they were both kind of triangles. It was very strange. I don't know why that. There was like there was the only classrooms in the whole school that were like that. I don't know why I'm telling all this. It's so random. <laughs> You're going deep. <laughs> but his name was uh, Mr. Dagnall. Mr. Dagnall. <laughs> Rocky Raccoon Man. He used to say it all the time, and I was like, "Why?" Are you? But he also was like full seventies, even though this was the nineties. Like, I remember like lots of like brown plaid and like a bit of like a flipped mullet situation happening. But he was like the nicest mm-hmm. person. He might have had, maybe he listened to the eight track on the way in his van possibly. to school that morning. He's very and was endearing. Like, Rocky Raccoon Man. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Nice. I remembered my teacher's name. It's Mr. McKenzie. <gasps> Mr. Yeah! McKenzie, shout out. Drop that in. <laughs> Thanks, McKenzie. Thanks, McKenzie. Fantastic. Well, y'all, what is next for the Beths? What is the, what's the future hold as best you can plan at this point? Well, <laughs> huge international tours. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we, we cannot we cannot leave the country. Um, <laughs> uh, what's the future hold? Yeah, we we did uh, a really lovely show last year in Auckland, our hometown mm-hmm. here in Auckland, New Zealand. And um, we filmed it and and made a nice live recording of it. And we, we aim to turn that into something that is, uh, you know, shareable with the world uh, later this year. Oh, so that's all. Kind Wonderful. Of a, um, mm-hmm. Concert experience, a concert-like experience. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm writing again, just like a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of weird to think that we may um if we're kind of stuck here for the rest of the year we may record another album and kind of have that in the can before having toured the second one yeah, um, yeah. but that's kind of where we're at yeah and like it, you know having gotten past the uh <laughs> the um confusingness of it, it, it i'm quite looking forward to that just kind of um having a bit more time than we did last time last time we were like we had a tour finished touring immediately started recording and then we're going to start touring immediately afterwards we had like three months to turn it to turn it around um, yeah. entirely whereas this time we'll take our time a little bit more stretch out maybe record some uh chocolate milk sounds <laughs> you know i'm just saying truly like luxuriate a yes. nice like you know spotify exclusive download of uh of uh octopus's garden by the beths would be solid content for the kids <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a really they, lovely idea. I think they would dig it. I think they would dig it. Well, I um, this is garden. I, it would be great. It's a lovely idea. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, I cannot wait to hear what you guys come up with next because I think you all are a fantastic band. You're exactly what I'm looking for from a rock and roll band in 2020 and 2021. Thanks. I thoroughly enjoy your albums. Um, Nothing but the best for y'all. So we we thoroughly enjoy. We Come thoroughly on, enjoy. man! <laughs> Goodness, like... I'm doing my best to not speak uh, for you. <laughs> you can speak for me on this. <laughs> Verified. Thank you. I enjoy the best. Thank you. Um, you know, Yay. Hope... <laughs> well, thank you. After being together for you, you know much. 14 years, yeah, I try not to step on your toes. Yeah, you know better. That's fine. Uh, hopefully, when things open back up, you guys can do a uh, a tour over here. And uh, come play New Orleans, and uh, Love that. it'd be fantastic. Please do; that would be amazing. But if even we if you go, even if you don't make it here, we'll come to you. We'll go to the next major market. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Wherever you are, we'll be there. 
Wonderful. Well, well thank, thank you for having us. Thank, thank you, you for doing us. it. This yeah. has been such a, a pleasure. I hope we can do it again. We've got 178 more songs. So uh, we'll hopefully do it again soon. In the meantime, take care and have a uh, have a great day. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Cool. Bye. Thank you all. Have a great one. Bye. All right. The bets, everybody. How about it? That was fun. So fun. What a blast. Yes. I adore that band. They're so great. They're so good. Um, y'all, if you haven't heard their album, Jumper of Gazers, I cannot recommend it highly enough or more than I currently am. I'm tired. I'm Have you lost all words? It's been a day. It's been a day. Uh, highly recommended. Also, their first album is called Future Me Hates Me, which is a great album as it's well. Such a great album title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so look them up. You will enjoy it. I promise you. So, I feel that I have botched it on this one. Octopus's Garden at number 178. What do you think? Too high? Too low? I think it maybe is too low. Yeah. I may have to reassess my Octopus's Garden placement. Yeah. So, I'd like to know your thoughts. So, let us know what you think uh, in the comments on Facebook or on Twitter, Instagram. You can find us. Where can they find us, Julia? Uh, on Twitter at Ranking Beatles. That's right. And then Facebook and Instagram, Ranking the Beatles. That's right. And I typically don't post the same content on Twitter that I do on Facebook and Instagram. Oh. It's a bit more conversational on Mix there. Mix it up a bit. So, if you're looking for a little different Ranking the Beatles experience, come join us over on the tweets. Who do you think you are? The Twitter's machines. <laughs> the Twitter's machines. Yeah. Um, and if you've enjoyed it, please feel free to leave us a lovely five-star review. We would very much appreciate that. Or four stars, if that's what you want to do, too. That's cool as well. Please no lower, though. No lower than that. Um, Some people ask us uh, if we have a Patreon, a Patreon. We do not. Um, But if you are enjoying the show and wish to throw a tip into our bucket, um, you can do so in the show notes. Uh, There's a link uh, at anchor dot com slash ranking the Beatles slash support I think um, if that's something you're into then that's cool too if not no big deal we're not here to make money we're just here to talk Beatles that's all we're out all we're about so anywho we hope you all have enjoyed the show we'll be back next week with a brand spanking new episode and another song to rank so until is then that what we do here that is what we do <laughs> I do 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 with da 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 oh my goodness please stop <laughs> until then y'all have a wonderful week I'm Jonathan and I'm Julia this has been Ranking the Beatles adios bye y'all <laughs>